Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you, President Jim. Good afternoon once again, fellow Rotarians and guests. Today I also have the great honor of introducing our guest speaker, WNBA Las Vegas Aces coach Bill Lambeer. Here's a Reader's Digest version of his uh, outstanding career. Bill played collegiately at Notre Dame from 1975 to 79. As any basketball fan knows, he then had an outstanding 14-year career in the NBA as a four-time All-Star and two-time world champion. He also became only the 19th player in NBA history to eclipse the 10,000 level in both points with 13,790 points and 10,400 rebounds. As a member of the famed Bad Boys, Bill also had his number 40 NBA jersey retired by the Detroit Pistons in 1995, a rare honor. Now leading our WNBA Las Vegas Aces, Bill is a two-time WNBA Coach of the Year and has three national championships under his belt. For kids and adults growing up and living in the Detroit area, Bill Lambeer was an idolized, grinded out, physical presence, never quit ball player that Detroit fans loved having represent them. For kids and adults growing up living in the Boston area, Bill and the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons were guys that we loved to hate. But that was because we all knew just how good they were. Now having attended all of the Las Vegas home games at Mandalay Bay last year with my sweetheart Leslie Malika, who is here today and wouldn't miss this for anything, I've seen firsthand how Coach Lambeer has taught the same kind of grinded out physical presence to our Las Vegas aces who have, had, who have such great promise for the future. And there's no one that I would rather have leading our Las Vegas Aces, okay, maybe Larry Bird, <laughs> to a national championship this year. With that, if he doesn't pound me into the ground, please give a warm welcome to Las Vegas head coach, WNBA, Bill Lambeer. I'm old, got to wear glasses. Who's Larry Bird? Um, thank you all for having me here today. Um, what a magnificent uh, year in professional sports for Las Vegas it was this past year, huh? You had the hockey team going off, got to the finals, you got the Raiders breaking ground on their new arena, and you have Las Vegas Aces now in town showing what the women in this world can do on the basketball court. I'm going to run through briefly how this all transpired and, and what I expect in the future. It all started with a phone call I got from Jim Murin, the chairman of MGM. Shocked the crap out of me. Um, what are you calling me for? And who are you? Um, he said they're buying the, the San Antonio franchise, they're moving to Las Vegas, and they want me to come and run the show for them. Mm, you know, I need a new challenge, but, you know, this is, a, this is something to big chew off. I said, yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. It was just something that I, I felt like I wanted to do. I never worked so hard in my whole life. I mean, it's a... The launch this thing was unbelievable. All right, we, we, they bought it on November the 1st. You know, the hiring process takes forever. So I can't really get anybody hired until past January, and then we have to play in May. 
So starting from scratch, we had nothing. I mean, I, my great line is we had to go out and buy everything, including toenail clippers. But we didn't have anything. So we embarked upon a process, and, and you had, there's so much that had to get done, um, and there's so many people that were involved in this, and they worked so hard. It was very hectic at times. It was very stressful at times. When you got the chairman and the president of MGM looking over your shoulder all the time, you know, you, you got a little pressure on you. So anyways, the, the arena, we had to redo the arena. Okay, it was old. It was playing in Mandalay Bay. It was dated. They had plans to put, you know, new stuff in there, but we were the catalyst to make that happen. All new seating, all back of the house, new locker rooms. It all had to get done in a time frame of, you know, four months with concerts coming in now there all the time and conventions coming all the time. But I went to walk through with Bill Hornbuckle, my boss, and we're going through and he's looking around going, well, where's the Jumbotron? Well, Bill, we don't have one. Well, I want one. And, they, and Cindy Wilder, our says, it's really expensive. And he goes, I want a Jumbotron. Go get one. So we got a Jumbotron. And it's, it's great for the fan experience. I mean, it's, it, it makes the arena wonderful. Ticket sales. There's on a ticket sale department. And I said, well, no problem. You, know, you have all these venues. You have all these, these stuff going on. You have a great ticket department. Nope. People come to MGM to buy tickets. MGM doesn't go to Bell to sell tickets. So we had to design a whole new ticket department. Business logistics, had to hire a whole staff, you know, for organizing planes, buses, all the transportation, practice, things like that. It was just a big animal. And then a practice site, we don't have a practice site. So we went to UNLV and we cut a deal with them that we took over we, their ladies' locker room, their ladies' training room, and their court for the entire month of May, basically, last year for training camp. In return, we rebuilt their entire locker room structure. We rebuilt their entire training room structure, brought it up to first class, what it should be, because quite frankly, it was a mess. And we're very appreciative of the partnership that we have with the UNLV basketball team. I see she's coming in a couple weeks to speak to you all, the state of the UNLV women's team. Nice lady, Kathy Oliver. Um, and then there's always the basketball team. So I had to build a basketball team because in San Antonio, they were last place for three years. I was not a part of that. I was in New York. And so I had to, you know, look at the team, understand who they were. Um, they were the team was in shock, obviously, because they're entrenched in San Antonio, and all of a sudden they're gone to Las Vegas. That lasted about 20 seconds when they realized, oh, I'm going to Las Vegas? Um, and so when they, when they found out the commitment that, the ownership was making to the team, um, they became very excited. And so now we had this big animal, we got to roll it out. How do we do? I talked to the people, talked to sponsors yesterday, they were very happy with, uh, with the season. I'm talking to some season ticket holders here and people that go to the games. They're very happy with it, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but we sold over 5,000 seats in a short period of time which is phenomenal, puts us up in the upper echelon of tickets sold in our league. So that meant it was, like, it was quite an accomplishment, I think. We had our, our, our turn style redemption was a little bit lower than that, which we're in the middle of trying to understand. Some were group tickets that didn't redeem their tickets. Some were season ticket holders that MGM said, how much do you buy from us? You know, get, buy a couple tickets from us. And, and so we have a ticket redemption program coming on 
for this next year of giving away all the, if you're not going to use your tickets, we're going to give them to underprivileged kids or into charities for them to come and enjoy the games. Um, that's a big project of mine to get accomplished, and I think it's going to do very well. If you came to a game, the arena seemed crowded. A new seat, 10,000 and change in a full packed house, putting 4,000 people in the stands. It felt very, you can ask Carolyn Swords, it felt great. A great atmosphere for our product. It was really a lot of, a lot of fun. The arena came out wonderful. If you come to your brand new seats, you know, the Jumbotron is great. And one of the things that um, Jim was very passionate about was the fan experience, in-game fan experience. And that's one uh, was the most pressure-packed of them all. How are we going to do that? Vegas Golden Knights were going off, and they have the best in the NHL. We have to compete with that. So that was uh, a learning experience. But overall, it came out great. My wife said, after one game, she goes, it's halftime, and no one's leaving their seats. They want to see the halftime show. That's pretty impressive. We have the best in-game experience in the league by far. Um, we are Las Vegas, after all. And uh, as, as my, I have a statement, and they put the jumbotron all the time. We are Las Vegas, and you're not. That's our that's our philosophy. <laughs> but I think, and it was. I mean, I mean, you got Cirque du Soleil people out there performing, you know, flying through the air and acrobatics and the Jabberwockies and all stuff like that. It was quite it was quite a show for this year, and next year is only going to be better. We have lots of plans on the drawing board right now. Talking about our team again, we were the youngest team in the league by far. All young players um, gave me more gray hairs. Um, but we did get number one pick in the draft last year, and we drafted, it was a no-brainer, uh, Asia Wilson from South Carolina. Uh, and she came in and then set probably the second best in the history of rookies and coming in our league and points, rebounds, just overall game. She was, as advertised, unanimous rookie of the year, all-star. I was surprised she didn't make first or second team all WNBA, but that's definitely in her future. And she won a gold medal at the World Championships with the United States basketball team. That's pretty impressive for a 22-year-old out of college. All the pressure on her, and she performed admirably. And there's so much more upside. We also have the prior year number one pick in Kelsey Plum, all-time leading scorer in the history of women's college basketball. When I came to Las Vegas, everybody says, she can't play. So what do you mean she can't play? I'm going to pick in a whole draft. No, she can't play. She's too selfish. And she's all about herself. And blah, 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 blah. Well, I have a philosophy. I don't know any player until I coach them. So I sat her down before the season started and talked about what my expectations was and how, what I thought her, her role was going to be. And she just said, yes, sir, watch me go. And she had a Wonderful year for us, better than anybody expected. Her future is also very high. She's a good quality kid, too. So we have a good nucleus. Uh, Kayla McBride, you know, she helped you, came from the best school in the country in Notre Dame. <laughs> um, she had a breakout year. And one of the comments that she made to in the locker room that came back to me was, she's been waiting for a coach like this for her whole career because I'm no nonsense, I don't like drama. And we just go play basketball, and who's ever better plays. And she really appreciates that. And she had an all-star year this year. 
um, and I expect more from her in the future. Like I said, we are the youngest team in the league, and we won the lotto again. So this year, we get the number one overall pick again for the third year in a row, which is unprecedented in the history of our league. I have no idea who I'm going to take right now. I may trade it. We, I need, we need veteran presence, but overall, I think our future is extremely bright. Um, our players, they, they see it also. The fans see it, talking to the people. He let in the things that own the, in the magazine there in the, the bio. We're expected to make the playoffs this year. Oh, thank you very little. Um, <laughs> uh, our players. Every, um, every franchise, every league is built upon their players. Without the players, there is no game. And the WNBA has been around for 22 years. Now, sounds like a long time. Uh, the men have been around 45, 50 years. At 22 years, we're so far advanced than they were at their 22 anniversary. So our product is positioned for long-term success. You know, we have our moments when we struggle, but overall, um, this year, we just had our league meetings here in, in Las Vegas. And every measurable for this season across the board for the league was up and up dramatically. Our TV ratings, our viewership, up 25, 30%. Our social media is up dramatically. Uh, our gate revenue is up. Our tickets, uh, our, our attendance and tickets are down, but the revenue is up. How does that happen? It means that we're not giving away tickets anymore. It means we don't have to. It means we have a quality product that people want to go see, and we don't have to diminish the value of the ticket uh, anymore. So we're going to show great double-digit increases in that also. So the mood of the league is great. And I've gone to the Board of Governors in November. We're going to talk about future things to enhance the league. But our players, they're all college graduates. The men are one and done. We don't have a one and done rule. In uh, WNBA, your college, your high school class has to graduate from college before you're eligible for the draft, or you are on track to graduate early. That's our rules of our league. So these are grown women coming to college with college degrees very smart and wanting an opportunity to compete and earn a living. Our league was based upon community. Way back when, the pioneers, as they called them, um, realized that to grow this league and to grow the opportunity in the United States, they had to entrench themselves in the community and grow through the grassroots, through the schools, the young kids. So this past year, we did our best to be in the community as much as possible. We got a late start. And the season this year was very condensed and contracted. There was very few days off, but we did our best. But our, our league and our team is founded on community. In, our, in each of the players' contracts, they're obligated to do 10 community appearances a year. The men won't do one unless you pay them. So in our, in our business, they're, and they, they love it. If you see one of our players like Carolyn or somebody out in the, in the, um, in the city at some place, talk to them. They're very engaging, they're very smart, they're very passionate about what they do and about our product. We're very fortunate that uh, we got Autumn from UNLV, she's our community relations person. Did a one hell of a job for us this year and very deserving of the award you got today. Um, and, and also, Jim and Bill's um, big passion is community. So we have our marching orders. 
We're going to be out there. You're going to see us, myself and everybody on my staff, all the players, trying to make a difference because they are, with all due respect to Charles Barkley, professional athletes are role models, especially in the women's game. Uh, it's a great way to uh, a young girl to grow up and have an opportunity. I'm always asked by the kids, oh, you know, I want to be a pro athlete. I want to be a professional basketball player. Well, it's not going to happen. Very, very few get that opportunity. But what you can do is get a free education through sports. And I think that's one of the things that our, our ladies will preach to the youngsters is use sports to get a free education. We all want to save money, right? My, my daughter got a free education at Syracuse University, which is wonderful. Don't have to pay for it. Then she comes out, Dad, you know, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I mean, I got to pay now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she ended up stopping. She just got tired of it. She wasn't going to be a professional player. Um, and I was very proud of her for all that she accomplished at that point. You know, I had the money to pay for her, so that was okay. Um, our, our product, you know, I, ask, I keep asking questions of all during the year and even after the year I, I meet people. And one thing that kept coming up throughout the course of the year when you talk to somebody who attended a game was, it's so much fun. Yeah, the in-game experience is something. But then someone else came along and said, well, it's like a social scene. You see the same people and you, all, you talk and you're really excited about the product. And, and okay, that's really good. And so we have something. You know, what it's going to be in the long run is anybody's guess. Team has to continue to perform. We have to be still continue to be really good. We're going to be really good. Uh, trust me on that one. <laughs> we got some good players who want to be here, who care. Um, and as of today, the players opted out of the collective bargaining agreement. So I expect by down the future, the free agency will be more robust. And they're going to go, I want to go to Las Vegas. Because we take care of our players, the town is going to take care of our team, and the management is going to take care of the whole package and make sure this is a quality place for everybody to be. Our tickets, our business, it's a very simple business. Our ticket is inexpensive. Okay, a mid-range seat right in the middle of the, of the arena for a whole season is $640. That's not bad. You can go to, I guarantee you the Raiders for one game is going to cost about $640. <laughs> Probably more than that, too. <laughs> but I, I think overall, um, this is a product that you need to experience. If you don't like it, okay, that's okay. But if you don't experience it and come and see how hard they play and how, how talented they are, these are the best women athletes in the world playing a sport they love and passion. And I was talking to, you were talking about how physical they are. They are physical. You got there, if you get closer, you watch them bang into each other, and they, they're going to compete. And um, they swear just like the guys do. Okay, they're, they're, they're athletes that they care, and they, they're going to rip your heart out if they have to get a win. That's what athletes do. Uh, what else I got to talk about today? I'll, ask some, I'll take some questions here in a minute. I want to hear what you want to ask. But um, I'll cut off one. Everybody always asks, what's the difference between coaching men and coaching women? One, I can't go in a locker room when I want to. <laughs> um, second is, the women 
you know, they, they, if you yell at a guy in his face and get him, he wants to punch you. Okay, but he can't because you're the authority figure. You get in the face and yell at a, a woman basketball player, they take it real personal. And they, it's like, oh, crap, I didn't really do that, did I? Um, but they, they eventually, you know, they, they understand, but they just take, they take it more to heart. And the last thing, this is a given, women listen so much better than the guys do. It's unbelievable. Amen. Unbelievable. They want to be coached. They want to understand how it works. They want to, they want leadership. They want, they want, and the guys just say, no, just give me the money. I'm going to do my thing. So I'm, that's why I love coaching the women's game, because it's all about, for a coach, it's also a very fundamental basketball. The men's game now and the pros is one-on-one. Two-on-two, maybe. The women's game is five-on-five, because five, they can't make up for mistakes with their athleticism. They can't jump out of the gym and block shots. Uh, so they have to do it fundamentally five-on-five. Five. And as a coach, like Johnny Wooden said, that's the best thing you can have being a coach is to have that kind of atmosphere. Uh, another one I cut off also, um, there was a, I used to be able to hide, a long, I can't hide, I'm six foot 11. So I, so I go in airports and stuff like that, and I'm always like, oh, there's Bill, you know, and they want a selfie, and they want to pat you on the back, and you know, oh yeah, great, wonderful. Um, and it was, as I was getting older, it was going away, which was great. I'm now, I'm not anonymous, but I'm getting close. And then we had this thing, 30 for 30, about the Pistons come out. Oh, man. I'm bound back into soup again. But however, that was a very accurate portrayal of what the Detroit Pistons were. Um, who we were, we were very, yeah, we can be assholes sometimes. But we were a very physical basketball team, but we were a very talented basketball team. And we were driven to win, and we were going to win championships, and we did. And everybody always asked me, well, when you won a championship, it had to be so great. And no, I said, no, it was actually a relief that you go through all of this your whole life, and you put everything mentally and physically out there, risking your life, and if you go away and you don't win, well, that sucks. Ask, go ask Charles Barkley, or go ask a Patrick Ewing. Ooh, I said the wrong word, Patrick Ewing. <laughs> the, uh, but, so it was relief that we finally won. And I think that's what's going to be the, on our team in, in Las Vegas going forward, is the expectations um, as we had developed both, you know, physically and maturity and adding more pieces, I think that expectation will be great upon them to compete for the championship for a, and for a long time to come. That's our goal in this marketplace, is to put something out there where you all as fans can grow with, win with, and just enjoy yourself as much as you can. And the last one I got to talk about, so cut off some questions, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I played with him. He's a good guy. But I got a call yesterday that they're going to do a special 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman that'll come out probably five, six months from now. So that should be kind of interesting. So I'm going to take some questions here if you have some. And yes, go ahead. Wait, wait. I have the microphone, so I go first. <laughs> So it, if I buy tickets, uh, where do I actually go? Where is the arena? Where is the opening night? Uh, yes. Oh, well, tickets, you can buy tickets. At, uh, that's our whole ticket sale department over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go to our, our website, but call us. 
But where um, do I go? Where do you, uh, we'll play at Mandalay Bay. Okay. Play at Mandalay Bay. Um, but if you can do everything in the off-season, they'll do it all in advance. You'll get your, your tickets in the mail. And, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, we appreciate everybody coming out. It is fun. Yes. Coach, what kind of uh, TV time are you looking at? Well, this past year we were on the regional sports network. Um, and we got started so late. Uh, we just, all right, we picked and choose. We found a home for ourselves. We televised every home game. Um, this year, we're unclear yet of what um, vehicle we're going to use to show our games, whether it'll be uh, on cable and like a regional sport network or on an over-the-air situation. We're going to start negotiating that soon. But we're going to show every home game like we did last year. I think it's important to penetrate the marketplace. To If you're not coming to a game, you might watch us on TV, and then you watch on TV. Hey, that's pretty cool. I'm going to go to the game. So I don't see that changing, especially when uh, my bosses all want to see it on TV also. So <laughs> I got my marching directions. Other, Other questions? questions? Yes. First of all, thanks for not pounding me into the ground. Appreciate that very much. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the lessons? You, you saw everything good, bad, and ugly in the NBA in 14 years. That you're, some of the lessons you try to teach your players of, of you know, being a professional athlete. Well, okay, yeah. I'm a different kind of player than a lot of players. I'm, I don't take any plays off in practice or in the games. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to instill in my players is the best way to say it, the value of two points, okay? And the value of two points could happen in the first quarter, second, third quarter, whatever. If you are so concentrated that you don't throw a sloppy turnover or you don't travel all over the place and turn the ball over uh, or you miss a defensive assignment and they get two points, well, that two points in the second quarter counts as much as a last second shot. And I'll tell you, it's so, it's so much harder. Well, it's, it's easy to make a shot when you're up one. If you're down one, it's exponentially harder because the pressure is there. You know you have to make it, and only special players can do that consistently. So if you take care of the business in the first three quarters and you're up three, four, five, well, you win the, win the game. So that's what I'm trying to instill in our players is, and youngsters don't get it. They just don't understand it. Um, they just want to go play, and they don't realize that that missed free throw there could be the end of the game down the road. So that's the message I'm trying to get across them is every play and in practice, practice should be harder than the games. You should practice so hard in practice, compete against each other, that when a game comes around, oh, wow, this is easy. That's how we used to play. My team's in Detroit when I was coaching the women's game in Detroit. That's how we played there. That's what I'm going to try to instill in this group here. All right, he said, my time is up. Thank you all for listening to me. I appreciate it, and I hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Um, and I would like to present you with a certificate. It is um, the Share What You Can Award, and we're going to present a meal to a, a needy veteran in your name. So thank you so much for coming. And, and uh, do you have time for questions afterwards? I think some people – okay, he'll, he'll be around for questions afterwards. I'm, I'm sorry, we have to smile and uh, stare at the camera here. Or not. <laughs> oh, shut up. Yeah. Sorry. Hard to hear As we leave here today, uh, let us go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. 
Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all persons. Love and serve each other, rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Be people of action. Be the inspiration. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.